good evening, everyone, and welcome uh, to the Medfield Board of Selectmen meeting for Tuesday, uh, November 2nd, uh, 2021. We are, um, uh, we are called to order, and this meeting is being video recorded. And we will start by taking a moment of appreciation for our troops serving around the globe in defense of our country. Thank you. Our first appointment, uh, I invite Police Chief Michelle Garrett forward uh, to have the awarding of the life-saving medal. Thank you, Chief. And I, I would ask the uh, following uh, individuals to come forward, please. First, Sue Harmon, uh, representing Captain Michael Harmon. Uh, Firefighter Matt Reineman. William DeKing. Connor Ash. Wayne Salali. William Bento and William Carrico. I think, Chief, we want them, we want them over there. Um, yes, do why want? don't you guys stand along the side wall over there, please? First of all, thank you for having me tonight. I do want to point out it is so, it is. Where would you like me? Medfield TV will hand you the microphone. Oh, perfect. I feel like a rock star now. <laughs> Um, thank you all. I just want to point out it is so hot in here. I may actually need rescue to save me by the end of this, so just stand by. Um, we are here tonight because of the superior actions of some of our members. Um, whew, I'm not going to lie, I'm very hot right now. Goodness. Uh, I submitted a letter to the Board of Selectmen back on May 20th, 2021 regarding the actions of some of our police officers and firefighters that I believed uh, deserve recognition. I would like to read that letter in at this time. Please do. To the Honorable Board of Selectmen, on May 18th, 2021, Medfield Police and Fire personnel responded to South Street at Wilson for a report of a motor vehicle collision, automobile versus motorcycle. Officers Bento and Salali arrived on scene and observed a catastrophic accident which resulted in serious bodily injury to the operator of the motorcycle. It was immediately apparent that the operator had suffered life-threatening injuries. Officer Bento assisted Samaritans by taking over C-spine and securing the victim on the ground as the nature of his head injury made him highly combative. Officer Salali assisted Medfield Fire Personnel Captain Michael Harmon, Firefighter Matt Reineman, and Firefighter William DeKing in placing a tourniquet on the victim's leg to stop him from bleeding out. Officer Salali later drove the rescue to the landing zone for a med flight to Suffs Hospital, where fire personnel, including Fire Chief William Carrico, performed additional life-saving measures. Sergeant Connor Ash, assisted by officers Bento and Salali, secured the scene and conducted an accident investigation along with the Massachusetts State Police Recon Team. And remember this letter is dated from May. Yesterday, I learned that the victim survived the accident and is recovering in the hospital. Additionally, members of the family informed us that according to hospital staff, the measures taken initially on scene are believed to have saved the victim's life. I bring this incident to your attention as the coordinated efforts of the Medfield police and fire personnel represent the highest level of performance under extremely dire circumstances. Today, due to the heroic actions of our combined staff, 
the family is supporting a loved one through his convalescence and not, tragically, planning a funeral. While it is our sworn duty to protect and assist all in need, the ability for our law enforcement personnel to shift into life-saving medical action exceeds my performance expectations. I believe the actions of those members on scene are deserving of recognition, and I respectfully request the board to consider awarding the following members with a life-saving medal for their superior performance. Fire Chief William Carrico, who I will note is uncomfortable, uncomfortable by this award because it is not typically issued to a chief. However, he was directly involved in the saving of this human's life. Captain Michael Harmon, posthumously, which will be accepted by his wife, Sue. Firefighter, firefighter Matt Reineman. Firefighter William DeKing. Sergeant Connor Ash. Officer Wayne Salali and Officer William Bento. Thank you very much, Chief. Um, we need a motion to award the medals. I have a motion to award the life-saving medal to the following individuals. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Yes. All right. At this point in time, I don't know if you'd like to have any comments before presenting them with their awards. Yeah, sure. I will. Well, you guys, if you guys are going to speak, I'll go last. You can go ahead. Uh, well, gee, I was I was going to endorse what Mike Mike had said. Uh, I think all of us hope in our lives we'll do good. There's only some of us that have a chance to clearly do something that is unmitigatingly good. Uh, when I've thought of public safety officers over, over the course of my life and have heard stories about public safety officers, I think uh, there are very few professions where people are tested so acutely with so little warning. Uh, and the fact that you all were tested, that you all came through uh, in, in such a actually stunning way, I guess, given the circumstances, including one who's not here, uh, I, I only can give you my total admiration. It, it's a very impressive thing that you all did. And so uh, on, on behalf of uh, your, your town, I just want to thank you. Um, all that training that you guys go through all the time um, allows you to, to get into a, a mode of doing what needs to be done when, when, when the crisis is there. So. Everybody succeeded really well, so thank you all. And so finally, I'll say, uh, you know, th there's a way in which this ceremony honors uh, actions in what was something of a random event and a reminder of the effect that chance can have in our lives. We're here to honor you for all the work that you did in saving a life, but we are, of course, under a shadow, given that Captain Harmon is not here with us in person. And that is a reminder of the unfairness of life. It is unfair that he is not here and not still with his family. And it was in some ways random that the man whose life you saved intersected with yours on that day earlier this year. That he was there in that moment in Medfield as opposed to someplace else carried with it an element of chance. But that you all were there was a matter of choice. The choices you made to enter your professions as police officers, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, professions of service that carry with them the expectation that on any given day you may be called upon to put yourselves at risk in the service of others. And you did put yourselves at risk to save the life of a stranger simply because he happened to be in grave need on a street in Medfield, Massachusetts. 
and our town and our society depend on people like you choosing careers and lives that put yourselves at risk in the service of others. We all count on your being there, and we should not take that or you for granted. So while in a direct way, we are honoring what you all did that day. We are also honoring the choice you made to enter your professions, honoring the effort you put in to develop the skills you put to use in saving a life, honoring those who trained you and helped you to develop those skills, honoring those who instilled in you the virtue of courage to enter into a dangerous and risky situation to carry out your duties. And hopefully in doing so, we help inspire others to follow in your footsteps and consider professions of service. On behalf of the town, I add my congratulations to you on this great honor. We are proud of you and grateful to you for your service to the town. Thank you. Right. Before dismissing uh, the officers and with the fire chief's permission, his personnel, I would just like to say that this is a very unique circumstance. We actually had a run from a member who is in the pinnacle of his career to our most junior officer who had six months of experience at the time of this accident. So when you look at the different ranks and experience standing before you, it's just a testament to how our organizations truly work together uh, to be successful in our profession. So I just wanted to make a note of that. And with a request, if we just take a picture for the patch. Thank you, my officers, and with the Chief's permission, are dismissed. Prior to moving on to the second agenda item, I did want to note, I've asked the officers to dress a little more casually tonight. Um, one of the few things that drives me crazy, crazy is an unshaven policeman, uh, having my father been in the military for so many years, but we are participating in Home Base No Shave November, which supports veterans. Uh, so I'm gonna they eat came this. came to our first meeting of the month. <laughs> <laughs> They're pressuring me to double down for December. <laughs> So it's a, it's a cause near and dear to my heart, and I'm just going to suffer through the next two months staring at beards. <laughs> Although I'm glad to see some of them are coming in gray, and I don't feel like quite the old lady anymore. <laughs> uh, may I move on to the second yes, agenda? Yes, Chief. Item? Thank you. Uh, 
second and last for me is just a request to the Board of Selectmen to appoint Student Officer Daniel Neal um, to the Medfield Police Department. We were fortunate enough to get uh, Dan into the Randolph Academy, which started yesterday, as opposed to having to wait until the December Academy, so we were very pleased with that. Uh, I expect his performance will be superior as a military guy and just a, a very fine young man. Terrific. And when can we expect that he'll be done? Uh, he will graduate approximately six months. It's a little over 800 hours of um, training. That training uh, will leave him certified as a police officer under the new Reform Act. And then he will have about two to three months of field training. So it takes roughly uh, nine months to get boots to ground. So Chief, the, the reference here to student officer is just a student at the academy? Yes, so we do appoint them as police officer status, but he won't have any police powers until he's certified by the academy. Okay, thank you. Is that, you, is that how we've done it in the past? I was, was. Yes, it is. For some reason, student officer seemed like a different term. Than they probably called it probationary officer at the about time. It, Okay, that's what I was saying. Is this yeah. just a new, new term for the same thing? Yes, simply because his probation won't technically start until he starts work with us, and then it's a year after that. Okay. Motion. Yep. I move that we appoint Daniel Neal to the position of student officer for the Medfield Police Department. Second. All in favor? Yes. Aye. Opposed? Thank you, gentlemen. Unless Thank you have you. anything Chief. for me. Thank you, Chief. All right. All right. Uh, next item is uh, Fire Chief William Carrico. Uh, so the uh, Chief is going to leave with everybody else, and I will okay. speak on his behalf. Okay. This, um, is this is just to authorize the ambulance medication exchange agreement. Uh, we have this in existing. Uh, it's just a renewal of the agreement. Okay. Any questions on the agreement, Pete? I was just surprised that we go that far and that we exchange yes. that far away, but that's fine uh, with me. I believe we have three or four different uh, exchange agreements. I would observe this one only requires the chair's signature. Correct. Really? Okay. I move that we uh, authorize the chair to sign an ambulance service medication exchange agreement with Steward Good Samaritan Medical Center, Inc. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. Thank you very much, Christine. All right. Now, uh, Medfield State Hospital Development Committee to discuss the Medfield State Hospital proposals, evaluations, the <coughs> committee's recommendation to the Board of Select. Welcome, Chair Todd Trebenko. I think that mic is not working, so they can give you the traveling mic. Okay. It, it's working now? Excellent. It's just for home. Just for home. You won't, you won't get amplification. It's, it's so people at home. For sound. Okay. Will you be able to hear me okay? Yeah. I hear yep. you just fine. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so thank you. On, on behalf of the Development Committee, uh, we appreciate you having us back for uh, the second time in this, this many weeks. Uh, our evaluation of the RFP responses has been completed uh, using a process we discussed at some length at the last meeting. Uh, that process took a little more than eight weeks. And follow the requirements of 30B for disposition of municipally owned property by publishing an RFP, which was vetted by the community and by the selectmen through multiple rounds of comment, and which stipulated the competitive selection criteria for proposal evaluation. So as I mentioned at the last Board of Selectmen's meeting, uh, one developer consistently scored materially higher than the other in accordance with the criteria that were published in the RFP, and that, that developer was Trinity Financial. That was a unanimous judgment reached by the Development Committee. 
and the preponderance of public comments received, as well as 100% of the reviews from Medfield stakeholder groups that we involved throughout the process also favored Trinity Financial over Pulte Homes. So as a committee, we did meet again on October 29th, subsequent to the, the last Board of Selectmen meeting, to further discuss the process and to clarify our recommendations for the Selectmen. Uh, we determined that it's best to defer best and final offers from the developers until later in the process when we believe it will be more valuable to the process and to the Medfield community. And that's permissible according to our legal counsel. Uh, however, in order to take this step, we must designate one proposal as the most advantageous received pursuant to the terms of the RFP. We may designate another proposal as a backup proposal, but we have to select one as the most advantageous. So. The development committee in our meeting, we voted to recommend to you, the Board of Selectmen, that Trinity Financial be selected as the, uh, the submitter of the most advantageous proposal under the terms of the RFP, and that Pulte Homes be designated as a backup proposal. Uh, if uh, we are able to move forward with Trinity, the next step pursuant to the RFP would be to enter into a provisional designation agreement which is referred to as a PDA in the, uh, in the request for proposals. And that would be with Trinity Financial and, and only Trinity Financial and open a 120-day due diligence period whereby Trinity would be given access to the site and to the buildings for testing. And as the most advantageous proposer would be able to roll up their sleeves with their financing sources, the development committee, other town representatives to prove out their proposal as it may be modified as a result of the due diligence findings. That 120-day period also gives the development committee and the selectmen, other town departments and committees additional time to analyze the Trinity proposal to make sure their concerns are addressed and that Trinity's initial proposal is improved as necessary before any more definitive agreement would be reached. Uh, we then also voted to recommend to the selectmen that the selectmen authorize moving forward with a provisional designation agreement with Trinity, uh, which the development committee would work on with our special counsel, Mead, Tallerman, and Costa, uh, which is supported by, by Mr. Sorrell here, uh, on the terms and conditions of the document would be negotiated with Trinity as, as necessary to, to reach an agreement with terms and conditions acceptable to the town and to Trinity. We would then start 120 days of additional due diligence, which would create time to further analyze cost and benefits of the RFP responses uh, in accordance with uh, Selectman Marcucci's suggestion at the last meeting. And during this time, the Development Committee would also obtain direct input from the National Park Service and Mass Historic through our historic consultant as to whether any demolition, such as that which characterizes the Pulte Homes proposal, could be carried out on the campus without jeopardizing the availability of federal and state historic credits on the core campus or the proposed cultural arts center. So in summary, we, we made two recommendations, we voted two recommendations for the selectmen, one being to designate Trinity Financial as the most advantageous proposal received in response to the RFP, and the second uh, for the selectmen to authorize the development committee and its council to negotiate a PDA with Trinity Financial on terms and conditions acceptable to the town, the selectmen, uh, and to Trinity. Thank you. Pete, questions, comments? Uh, well, the process is just, just moving along, so I think it makes sense to, to do what they've asked. 
I assume you don't have any questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't have. So I, I have a couple of questions. Uh, one is how extensive an agreement um, is this PDA? I mean, are we, is this going to be a six-month negotiation, or what's, the, what's what are we? I wouldn't this, think so. I mean, I would imagine it would take a few weeks. Uh, you know, the state actually has a form which we looked at when we drafted the RFP. I don't know that we would necessarily use that form. Yeah. But uh, you know, think of it when you're you're buying a home, you go from the initial thousand dollar offer to a purchase and sale with some terms and conditions um, and, and I think um, and then what what would happen kind of in your view at the end of this four month period like what, what would the next decision point be what would we be, what would we be deciding at that point like what would, what would the well I think you know to some extent it, it depends on what happens during those 120 days but you know uh, best case scenario would be that uh, Trinity would prove out its assumptions in its proposal and respond to some of the uh, comments and critiques of the proposal that they've received from the town and move uh, with the town to a more definitive proposed agreement that could then be brought to a town meeting for presentation to the public. So, I mean, is it... Because I think I had raised sort of the, the last time, sort of the point at which we're going to kind of weigh the full picture of both proposals. And, and kind of where I had come out at the end of the last meeting was that we were not really at that point yet. That Correct. we don't have enough information from Trinity. Um, and I have no quarrel with the assessment that you all have made it as it being the more advantageous proposal. But I do think at some point you've got to kind of weigh the full picture. Right. Agreed. I, I think, and at some point, we do have to make a judgment, not just between the two, but between the two and, and none. Right. Decide we have to decide when the the project is proved up. Right. Is this worth doing, depending on whatever it looks like at that point? Right. I think that's that's going to be a decision point before we go ahead. So at least in my mind, I, I think we still should be in the evaluation stage of both of these because we don't well, know what it's going to look like at the end. And so... I think it's fair to say that it, it would be a continued evaluation even during the period. They'll be looking at certain... They'll be getting into the buildings. They'll be doing their studies. They'll be talking to their financing sources. But we'll also be drilling down on their proposals and the changes that uh, we'd indicated we would like to see. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, as I said at the last meeting, it was, it was very clear at the special town meeting regarding the zoning that the bar is very high for a proposal to be presented to the town or a disposition vote to be presented to the town. And we understand as a committee, all of those questions need to be answered so that people can make a, 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 an informed vote. Right. Okay. But it, it, I, mean, I think I'm correct, though, that that, that kind of, because I don't think we're in a position to do it now. I don't think we're in a position to do it now to get, kind of have a debate on the two proposals or the two proposals versus none, right? Um, because I don't think we have enough information, right? So I don't think it would be very useful to have that kind of discussion at this point. So I think it's the right thing to go ahead for this four-month period to figure out what it is, but I think that at some point, we're going to have to sit down, compare the financials of both, compare the ramifications of both from a municipal standpoint. What does it mean? What does it look like? And so at least we understand if, if we're continuing down the road with Trinity, we understand sort of what we're giving up in the process. 
and that's fine. But we just have to understand what those trade-offs are and what the facts are. And I don't think we have them now, right? It's not correct. It's too and early, I, or too soon to know. Right, and it would be yeah. a typical, you know, real estate acquisition or portfolio acquisition type process. There's an initial offer made with a lot of assumptions and conditions. It then goes to a period of due diligence where those conditions either get addressed or one party might propose changes and you don't know that you have you know what you would consider to be a uh, an executable offer until you are on the other side of due diligence right and i think that you know in many ways i think what you're referring to is that that's equally true for the town that's not just true for trinity to decide if these buildings can be salvaged and which ones may be in better condition than others or what's going on with the environmental it's also for the town to understand uh, the traffic you know school counts uh, impact on the community in general Mark? this this is a process there, there is some flexibility but it is a process and i would not be surprised although i have not been directly involved in this i did talk with todd yesterday I wouldn't be surprised with respect to this provisional agreement to get some uh, requests from Trinity of assurances on the part of the town in return for the fact that they're presumably going to expend significant time and resources now during the due diligence period. So uh, I would think that they're, they're in a preferred position and you're moving forward on that basis and I would think you probably need to be involved at least to review that agreement uh, while it's being negotiated. Mm -hmm. But those asks would be in the agreement. I mean, the things they're looking for would be things they would put into the agreement. I would I expect, totally understand yeah. that point, that if they're going to invest time in this, they have some expectation on what's going to happen on the right. other side of it. Could, could in let me comment. I'm, I'm trying to be sure I understand the direction you're coming with your comments, Mike. The only thing I think it would be a mistake is to think that we just have still an even-up competition between two competitors here. It's not like we haven't done anything. We we put a we put a RFP out there, described a certain scope of work, established a set of criteria, got some proposals in, evaluated those proposals, and they were evaluated at the level that these proposals are, which is sort of a it's not a pre-proposal, but it's kind of like a concept that you kind of buy into first, and then through this next stage, the, the proposer that we elected to be the preferred developer is now gonna do a lot of on-the-ground work to make sure that what they represented they could do in this early stage conceptual proposal, they can make whatever adjustments they might need to make uh, at, at the other end of that, we then don't have a head-to-head -head competition. Uh, I think the challenge here would be if, if, and this isn't a given, if the proposal came in that we thought was, if the development committee thought the proposal that was submitted was advantageous to the town, that would be the concept that would then inform the taxpayers when they're asked to basically approve the disposition agreement. If Either A, we didn't get a good, you know, if we didn't get a proposal we thought was advantageous to the town because it sort of went off the rails, or if even if we thought it was what was on the rails, but the town, in a town meeting, voted it down, I think that was the reason we didn't reject either proposal because it's like at the point that 
plan A isn't going to work, even though it seemed like it was consistent, we would need to think about what do we do next, and we didn't want to preclude uh, the alternative, I think for some of the reasons that you're interested in having us not do that. Independent of that, the point that we discussed at the last meeting, where it would be important to flesh out what that alternative proposal means, at least in, you know, in economic terms, so that when people do make a vote, uh, they're informed about what well, they've chosen. Flesh them both out. Yeah, yeah. flesh yeah. them both yeah. out from that standpoint. Mark, I, I, I just—it's not like it's just we'll start again. just by way of completeness, because this is—it's a very confusing concept in the big picture to begin with, and and you're proceeding forward. And so, should, it's fair that you understand. The town meeting vote that's required for disposition is a two-thirds vote. You could take a blanket vote to give disposition, and then it's only a majority, or the town meeting could delegate. Or you could combine the two into one, which is, seems to be the way this is trending. So maybe it doesn't make any, it's not important to distinguish, but technically the, the two-thirds quantum is only on a disposition, it's a change of use. Uh, the actual agreement, if it were separate, would only require a majority vote. Oh, okay. Right. We, we have a question in the Q&A from Christine Connolly. It's timely, so I'll ask you. Uh, she writes, at this point in the process, we haven't made the decision that we will definitely sell the property, correct? Doing nothing is still an option, I believe. Is that correct? And the answer to that is yes. We haven't made any final decision. We are advancing one proposal into further due diligence, but that both whether either of these proposals is submitted to a town meeting, then what the town meeting does is down the road. Right, and we could get to the, you get to the end of the process, the development committee can conclude this is just not Correct. work. Right, right. And, absolutely. And that would probably be the end of that portion of the process. Yeah. The other piece is that the, the residents will vote on the disposition, but I think we're committed to having the resident, so they're not voting on the contract or they're not actually approving a contract, they're voting on the disposition. But the point is to make sure they know what would happen if they approved the disposition. They would know where we're going. Well, could we would it so. very narrowly or very broadly, and yeah. as we've done in both ways in the past. Mm -hmm. I think it would likely be relatively narrow, I would yeah. think, so that it's cabin to win right. what's being proposed. So, all right, I, I appreciate this, and I think this is the the right way to go. So one of the things that I would hope that we might be able to test at some point is uh, whether or not the successful developer might be willing to consider entering into some sort of partnership with the town in terms of sharing some of their profits. So that, I mean, for instance, Trinity said that they were expecting, I think, five million a year to be generated by this development for them. I, I would love to ask them if they would be willing to consider on a long-term partnership basis with the town of sharing some of the profits. For me, that would uh, help to alleviate my, my concerns over whether we were getting the right price. Um, and, and the more that we can move, in my mind, from the sale price into the long-term payouts over the years, the better off we are because of our obligation to, to share half of our proceeds with the uh, state. So um, I, the five million that might be the the gross rental. I'm not sure exactly what the the five million is, but uh, we could certainly. I I, re I just remember that as the, as what they said was their expected uh, return, once they had the project up and running. Annual return. All right. Other thoughts, Pete? No, that was. All right. 
So just to, oh, go ahead. Well, just the process. I think there's two votes. One is to accept the recommendation of the development committee on proceeding with Trinity, and then I think the second one was to authorize the committee to proceed with the PDA. So whenever you're ready, let's. I'm ready, unless anyone I'm has further comments. So, well, question from Mike. Just curious. Do you want a microphone and identify yourself and where you live? <laughs> Hi, Mike Quinlan, One Stewart Street. Um, just question: This PDA, are there any financial Im implications to the town? Is the town committing to anything financially, other than just allowing access to the site for the preferred developer? We, we don't an anticipate that there's any cost to the town. Thank you. I guess some legal fees, perhaps, to right. be Tellerman. Not to you. You said you weren't going <laughs> to do it. You said they should do it. I'm. Uh, I don't charge the I'm on a straight retainer. It doesn't, I'm revenue neutral. Yes. If you also can get a microphone and identify yourself, please, sir. I will. Thank you. I just wanted to remind everybody also that the, uh, the pro forma that was submitted uh, was pretty rudimentary. And that one of the things that we hope that the committee will get out of this will be drilling down into what the actual costs are, what, what the benefits are. So, um, in fact, Trinity's proposal, they stated that because of the nature of the RFP and the quasi-privacy um, of uh, the not in interfacing with all of the appropriate town departments and everything else, and privacy is not the right word, but they were discouraged from sitting down and having discussions, detailed discussions with the departments. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of um, that during due diligence. And I also think they're going to probably find some surprises on environmentally, although we did give them everything we possibly had. Um, that's, it will be interesting. And uh, obviously, I'm in support of going forward. I'd like to see the due diligence get done. I'd like to see some real numbers so that we can assess them and compare them to what the financial model said, because uh, there were some significant differences between the financial or returns uh, in, the, in, the, in the model you know, that the committee did, the prior committee did, and the new committee. So I, I'm looking forward to see what happens. Thank you. Do you want to make a motion? Uh, sure. I uh, move that we accept the recommendation of the uh, MSH Development Committee to designate Trinity as the preferred developer. And Pulte as the uh, uh, backup. Most, Pulte, most advantageous. Is the, most uh, advantageous developer. Uh, and uh, I guess I'm not quite sure how to word that without, re without rejecting Pulte as as a backup. We would like to designate Pulte Homes as the backup. Is it, as a backup and and further designate Pulte Homes as a backup developer. Second. All in favor? Yep. Aye. Opposed? And then a motion to Second, authorize. I, uh, I move that we authorize the Medfield State Hospital Development Committee to proceed with negotiating a PDA with uh, Trinity. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? And then I have a question for Mark. If now that we have identified or designated Trinity as the most advantageous developer, are we now able to allow our other two, me two meeting members or committee members uh, who basically had recused themselves up to this point to rejoin us? It's Pat Casey. They're speaking to 
Bill brought up the issue of the models and things like that. We have Pat Casey as one. Uh, it's, a, it's an ethics issue. They have to raise the question. So after, they'll but have I to don't, frankly, I don't, okay. we, we, we played this out. I think it goes further. Chronologically, I think it goes out further. Okay. Because you, you haven't got a final agreement or the terms of the agreement or whatever. I see. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. All right. Todd, thank you very okay, much. Okay, thank you, Todd. gentlemen. Thank you. Much appreciated. All right. Uh, the next item is the Medfield Energy Committee to discuss the elementary school net zero design. The charter of the community activities. We're actually going to start uh, with the school because Mike Quinlan is here um, and we'll deal with the school net zero issue first and then we'll deal with the rest of the. So, Mike Quinlan, do you want to go up and start this off? And Megan and Mike and Ty, I see Tom is here as well to deal with this. So, Fred, we'll get to you in a minute, but if we could start with Mike and Tom and Megan and then move on. All right. Welcome. Okay. Um, well, thank you all for having me. Um, uh, before I get started on the school, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that um, I've had the distinct pleasure of working with our police and fire on a new building for them a few years ago um, and found them to be of the highest quality in Medfield. Uh, I really enjoyed working with uh, Medfield legends, Chief Meany and Chief Kingsbury. Um, and I had, you know, certainly was nervous when they both decided to retire, but I've seen nothing but great leadership out of Chief Carrico and uh, Chief Garrett uh, as evidence tonight. So um, I had um, an unfortunate way of meeting up with them when my wife was in a car accident, thankfully not nearly to the level that was discussed tonight, but they uh, were nothing but classy and making sure that she was okay and getting her to the hospital. So um, I extend my deep gratitude to all in the uh, Medfield Police and Fire Departments. Okay, so thank you for um, uh, allowing me to speak that. But so um, I have been invited here. I guess there's some questions still outstanding about net zero. Um, so I'm here really to respond to those questions um, as they've been brought up. I've brought with me this evening the same presentation that we did back in March. Um, in the hopes of making sure it's absolutely clear on what, um, what was discussed back then and what was um, requested of the Board of Selectmen and what the Board of Selectmen ultimately voted on and what is included in the project. So um, with that, I'd look to the Board if there are questions that you would like to ask of me. You want to put um, the presentation up? or Sure. Can Who's Nick or Christine? I know I don't have it, Mike. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want me to try to put it up. So um, um, I believe, and Gus, correct me if I'm wrong, you were looking for some clarification on um, the numbers and the incremental costs that were included in that discussion. Is that yeah, I can accurate? Yeah, I can simplify this a little bit. Simplify it would be great. Through, I've <laughs> gone through that, and I've also gone through uh, the June 2nd, Mark Sandine presentation for a good part of the afternoon actually mm -hmm. and Megan and Fred actually we, we spent about an hour and 45 minutes on the phone on Friday so I well you're the guy on the hot seat in terms of answering this as I've gone through all this um, it's actually distilled down to a simpler okay. a simpler set of questions that either we have answers for or we don't um, First off, my, my issue at this point in this process is to figure out how to take 
burdens off of the taxpayer. So you know where I am on the mm -hmm. whole on the whole school. But the the real point is my position on the school has to do with the tax burden that the that, that that's actually the debt, and that's that's what's got me going down this path. When I went through. Let me start with a question that's simple question. I don't know if it's a simple answer. If we went all the way back and said, what is the total added cost of net zero to that eight, what, what portion of that $82 million on the school is the total cost attributable to net zero prior to go, getting the 2% bump from MSBA. So if we go all the way back before net zero mm -hmm. was even considered, what is that total amount as it shows up in the $82 million to the school? So you, that sounds simple. It's not. It's very complicated, as you expected. Um, but um, first off, and even before, I, do, I should have said it before, but I, want, I do want to go back. This discussion was about the school, the school building committee and our sustainability subcommittee. This is not a Medfield Energy Committee issue. While there are some members that joined it, all decisions that were made as part of that that were put in front of you um, or, or proposals that were put in front of you were put in front of you from the SBC. I take full responsibility for everything that was done there. I just want to make sure that we're clear about that separation between the SBC and the and Medfield Energy Committee. Okay, so now if we go back, I don't have the numbers on what the code minimum would be because we never chose to go that route. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, we saw the benefit of getting two additional points of incentive. That has nothing to do with net zero. Um, we chose that path for multiple reasons. One is financial, to have two additional percentage points. You can just do simple math and see, see where that is. Um, and secondly, it's the right thing to do. It's how we should be building buildings um, in terms of lowering our uh, carbon footprint, in terms of um, making sure our buildings are sustainable over a 50-year period, which as a town we need to. Um, so we weren't starting at minimum and going to net zero. We started at taking the minimum and going to that 2%, which basically requires us to exceed the energy code by 20%, 20% better performance in terms of energy usage of the building. Um, so could, we- Could I try asking my question a different way then? Sure. When we got, so the 2% increase is a $1.6 million bump from MSB. Give or take, yep. What did it cost us to get to that? And that's what I don't have. Again, before we did any pricing, okay. um, we made that decision to pursue that 2%. It's something that, you know, we've discussed. We discussed amongst the SBC. We discussed um, our history in terms of building these projects. And um, it's not 1.6 million, I can tell you that much, um, to go from the baseline to the baseline 2% plus. Um, it's in my, more, in it's my more experience. more than that or less than that? Less than that. Okay, so the 1.6, so let's at least work with that. I, I can't I, prove that out because I didn't. We didn't get an estimate that's at the baseline minimum. Mike, I, you know, there's there's so many numbers, and well, there's, it's a very, yeah, I know you do, and it's such a complex decision. Mm -hmm. uh, and then trying to again, as somebody who's taken a hard line on the total cost, mm -hmm. trying to not just simply arbitrarily do that, but to try to figure out, okay, why is yep. it there? is kind of how you get involved in all this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm, what I'm trying to do is to sort that piece of it out. I went back through Sandine's stuff and realized why 
there, there are reasonable things in that presentation for me to have walked away from that with the expectation that basically I, I basically had an expectation that until I hear something different, the net zero for us will be something that will be no net added cost to the school uh, because of all those other incentives. And that's where I've been. And, and that's what I don't know where that came from. I can go back to the Sandine. And, and that's fine. Again, that's a Sandine yeah. issue, not, not an SBC so issue. And, and when, when at, this, at this stage, it doesn't matter. It does matter. It's important that we're dealing with things that were accurately and openly and honestly presented to you. I want to make sure we're clear on that. Nothing was hidden. The San I can't, I don't take any credit or blame for anything Mark Sandine presented to you. And for you to hold us responsible for that, I think is unfair. Well, I, um, I, if, a, if a selectman from another town comes to the Board of Selectmen at the point that this happened, which was over a year ago, mm -hmm. on a topic of how we in Lexington were able to do net zero at what appeared to me to be no net cost. And that's not town. accurate. He, he, he responded to questions about that, and he absolutely said there was incremental cost. It was borrowed the same way. Let me finish, Gus. Yep. It was borrowed the same way we are presenting it. There was no second bond issue for geothermal, as, as you've stated. Um, there was no $6 million incentive, as you've stated. They got... Yep. About, about incentive, about what we're going to get. We looked at everything. We deal with Eversource all the time in my business. Okay? And I take it very seriously when someone says to me that I have misled you when I have a video that shows exactly what I presented to you. Not Mark Sandine's. So to be clear, I didn't say that Lexington got $6 million. And I can't, and, and the Warren Committee, to their credit, came back to me and said, Gus, where did you get the $6 million from? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I didn't make it up. I got it from somewhere, and I probably got Fair. it in a swirl of things, a, a swirl of conversations, apparently. Let me ask one. I don't, I don't want to go too far down this rat hole, Mike. I'm not coming after you. I'm trying well, to understand. But when you cost. say I've misled you, that's coming at me. I do take that personally, Gus. I... <laughs> When I thought I heard something in June of 2020 that changed my, caused me to take several decisions. Number one, to be actively supportive of net zero, mm -hmm. actively supportive of adding the energy committee to help people figure out how to get there, actively supporting of how to get an Eversource representative there. My expectations were all that was going to happen that would get us to a very good net zero spot. And now, we you, are. Ju you just said something that if I'd heard it earlier, would have at least helped in the conversation. You have just said, we have done everything that Lexington has done. You're the that's the first time I've heard that statement, which at least is encouraging. I know it's not 100% accurate because Lexington talked about their battery storage and other things, but let me, let me ask. First of all, 100% didn't, but, but, didn't leave my mouth. What I said was that what, what we're proposing, which is incorporating some added incremental costs and bonding it as part of the school project that gets offset by the cash flow savings, right? We're paying a certain amount each year on our principal and debt service. I've said this from the beginning. You've, you've brought this up to me before and you've said it should be no net zero cost, mm -hmm. uh, net, net cost to the mm -hmm. town. And I've said there is no option for that. The option is we pay some upfront 
and the, the debt service, that annual cash flow is offset by the savings. So that in essence, on a year to year basis, it is not net cost, but there sure. is incremental upfront cost that we have to invest in order to be able to get so those savings. So if you look carefully at Sandine's, what he, what he said, which may not be true, may not be accurate. He basically said, because of the incentives that we had, we were able to offset. Yes, we did. On a cash flow basis. We did on a cash flow basis. Which is from, what I'm saying. From the day we opened the school. So Which in other I'm words, saying. it's not a life cycle cost. It's actual true cash flow. The, the only reason I care, that added debt, where is it? What do you mean, where is it? Are the taxpayers covering that debt and then there's cash flow coming in on top of it? Or are we not including that debt in what the taxpayers are being asked to approve? It's offset in the, in the operations of the building because the building will be re reduced in operational energy costs on a year-to-year -year basis. So Sandine said basically from, year, from the, the incentives that they had, they were able to cover it. So I'm, just I can't, I'm sorry, okay. I'm sorry. I, I can't, think that's the, we, I we can't respond to how, what Mark Sandine, how he well, posited it. My, I, don't, I can't tell point, you that. My only point is when you're, when you're pushing on me, and I understand why you are because you've got everybody going after you. That's when not you why ask I am. why, when you ask when when you ask why I might have reacted the way I react, it's because I got a, I got information in, it's on the video, I trusted that information. Yes, it's Sandine, it's not you. Okay, I didn't put I, Mark Sandine in front of you, Gus. All right, and and I so you can't hold me responsible for something that he said. That's not right. And there's okay. a reason we okay. went through the process of analyzing it for this Our way. I changed a lot about the Sandine analysis. Right. I made it more conservative than what he did. Yes, you did. No, you, okay. I, I, so I appreciate you, that. So <laughs> I'm not sitting here just saying, oh, well, this is what Mark did, so here you go. So what I'm trying to do is understand where we sit, where we are sitting right now. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that Sandine said was that basically the PPA which they did with both the storage and the solar. Now, right now, we only have a, we, I think we're only looking at PPA for solar right now. And the storage is an open issue. The storage, we would, we would explore, absolutely. We would explore all options that would save money. What you and said, if, that, if that would result in something, we just don't have the funds to be able to do that because that requires some engineering and design costs. So, so one of my, when I went back through this, one of the things that I started to wonder about is what he said was the PPA costs that they had in Lexington for, mm -hmm. the, for the solar and the storage they didn't even include in the project that went to MSBA. And I said, oh, I wasn't even, until I took a careful look at mm -hmm. the video, I wasn't even smart enough to wonder whether those costs are even in the 82 million or not. So one of the questions I had for you tonight was just, are we doing the same thing that they're doing, which is we're pulling those net zero costs out of the actual project cost that goes to the MSBA, or are we including them in there, even though we're thinking we might go we are not including anything for solar. And that's, that's, okay. that's why, because, and we specifically did that because a PPA mm -hmm. is basically a no upfront cost right. agreement. Right. We don't pay a dime. What about storage? Same thing. There's nothing in nothing there. Nothing in there for okay, storage. So there, there, until the only thing we've exactly done that is in there is we've provided for conduit so that when the photovoltaics do show up, there are con electrical conduit that get... Yeah. That no, they that run sense. their own wires down through into the electric, and then that's small dollars. Right. So, so to, the, to the extent that my reactions you took personally, I'm not, that wasn't my intention for you to take I it personally. I appreciate that. 
uh, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to get my arms around some numbers that I think are way too big, and I'm looking for you ways to clear. do it. Yeah, I know, I know I have. But, but, but a piece of it is, you know, at our last meeting, I was saying, well, it's kind of late to change a whole heck of a lot around the total cost of the project, but it's not too late to consider whether there's things that we currently are putting on the taxpayers back that really shouldn't be there. And that was at the point when I went after the net zero, mm -hmm. it was working off a model that said Sandine basically said, we figured out how to make this work to include, it wasn't, he, he didn't make just a pure life cycle cost argument that, oh, don't worry about, it. we're gonna spend more now here and it's gonna, we're gonna get it down the road. He actually said, we've got it to where on a cash flow basis, we were able to line up these incentives and offset it. So that's, that's kind of where I was starting. We will and explore any possible incentive, but I could tell you that they are less than one-tenth of the number that you quoted, the six million. And I'll, the, 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 there's no town, no project, no school in Massachusetts that has received an incentive that's north of a million dollars. Matter of fact, Lexington alone, I couldn't get the exact number because it's confidential, but, they, but I did check with Eversource and they said it's about in the same range as what we're looking at. Okay, well that's helpful information too. So, so I just want to make sure we're clear yeah. on well, that. So like, there that, is no is pot of gold that we're missing and we're just ignoring because so I want my taxes to go up more right. and I want to make it harder for people to accept this project. So, so no, it's not, it's so not in my, yeah. it's, it's not right. what I'm here for. I, I did not go into, I didn't go into that conversation with a plan. Mm -hmm. I got, I went into that conversation context of that was we were talking about should we move ahead with a town mm -hmm. meeting this Sunday? I, and I, I understand. I watched saying it. No, and then the question came, well, what's your plan? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I, my first reaction was, I don't have a full plan. I'm not sitting there at all the data that you guys mm -hmm. are. But in my case, it, that I basically just didn't think we were setting the town up for a success here. Uh, so that, that's what, anyway, that's what started it. Hey, Mike, I, you've already, you know, I a, appreciate what you and the building mm -hmm. committee are doing. Mm -hmm. uh, it is complex. I've been trying, you know, even, and you know that I'm not happy with the total price, but yep. that's got nothing to do with my conf confidence and respect for the effort that you're putting in to the extent that any of my comments two weeks ago sounded to you like it was uh, almost an, a personal attack on the job you're doing. I, I apologize for that. That's not my intention. Okay. Uh, I, I am digging for, the, for details. I, at this point, I'm not. We're, we are now on the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. we, we all are in the car. We pay the tickets. Yep. We're going up that long, steep slope. So at this point, it's, not, it's almost not important at this point to try mm -hmm. to dig down to ground truth. I did spend a lot of time to make sure I understood what I thought I'd heard on June 2nd, and I'm pretty comfortable. I know what I heard, I'm confident, I I'm confident you, you'll do the research that you yep. need to and, yep. and go back through the, the yep. presentations you sat through. Right. But I think it's really important that you understand the microphone you have in front of you. And mm -hmm. the minute that meeting was over, mm -hmm. people are posting about how, look at this, there's $6 million that the SBC is not looking sure. for. And so, so, I understand that you, and, and we've had plenty of good, respectful conversations, mm -hmm. and I appreciate the apology, but um, it's extremely important when there's enough misinformation being thrown around that we don't have our own leaders doing that. Yeah, so the mistake I made two weeks ago is I got drawn into, so what would you do about it? Uh, and it happened to be 
that the two answers I got just before that were, I don't believe Sandine, and maybe we don't have the political clout that Lexington has, which basically, it, it, that, that actually worked the wrong way for me, <laughs> if you can understand that. I do. However, if I had a microphone last week, then maybe I have as big a microphone this week, and I will clearly acknowledge the Warrant Committee could not reconstruct my $6 million number, and I couldn't completely figure it out. I know I, know I didn't make it up. I'm sitting, I, I basically said, well, I think maybe it was the ground source heat pumps, which is one and a half million, and then try, I was trying to figure out, how, where did you get one that? One and a half from? is the premium. So that's basically going from that baseline that we that used. That was the cost of that. I think that was the mid, the mid zone of your cost, 1.6? 1. 1.6 yeah. is, is the premium to, to basically, we're, we're looking at, these are complex systems. It's not a buy one, buy the other, swap out parts. Mm -hmm. There are parts and pieces that are in both, whether it's a whether it's a VRF system, whether it's a geothermal ground source heat pump system, whether it's a gas boiler. There are parts of that that are consistent throughout. Mm -hmm. You know, we still need to move air. We have rooftop air handling units. So when we presented the options, we presented the total HVAC number for all of the options, not just the cost of the ground source heat pumps. So, but there, there has been a there has been a price thirty five thousand per well, for the for the wells. The wells are one point eight million. Yeah. Okay. I can I can tell you that number. I looked it up the other day. Right. Okay. So that was without having that number right at my fingertips when I was trying to say, okay, where did I get from it? So maybe it was that. And it's then a good, I said, it's a good point, matters. though. So if I say the wells are $1.8 million, but the premium was only $1.6, what does that tell you? means some, some 200, other stuff the, came out. That's the 200, it wasn't the 200,000 Eversource? No. Okay. The other stuff came out. We didn't include the Eversource. We, we, we took out gas boilers, right? Yeah. So we took out gas boilers and we put in ground source heat pumps. So here's, specifically, I don't think we need to get drilling down into all this stuff but if this nice if pump, i had a big microphone last week i have a <laughs> if we had a big if i had a big microphone last week i have a big microphone this week i hope the warrant committee looked they could not substantiate the six million i can't even substantiate that number i know i heard it somewhere in a context and i got drawn into throwing sure. a number out to try to make my point mm -hmm. that there was opportunities to get costs off of the taxpayer I'm and i it. and i was basically not totally Satisfied we had done that kind of an effort, uh, and, and, and still not, but we're, we're kind of out of time. So, uh, well, so, well, so anybody who, I, I just, who bought I into that number two that. weeks ago, I fully acknowledge that that's a number that the Warren Committee, who I have tremendous respect for, you should trust the Warren Committee over something like that before you trust me. So I appreciate that, and I have equal amount of respect for everything that they're doing. But I, I do want to, this we're out of time thing? Mm -hmm. No, we're not out of time. Just because we approve and vote to appropriate money does not mean we need to spend it all, okay? I think yeah, I've yeah. proven through multiple capital projects here that I'm not here to spend every dime that you put mm -hmm. in charge, that I get put in charge mm -hmm. of. Um, we make intelligent decisions about how to spend that money. And if incentives change and there's new money out there, we will pursue it wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, if there's something we're unaware of, I'm fairly certain there's not because we do this every day Mm -hmm. um, if, if something changes with Eversource and they come up with a new program or, or there's other, other ways, grant programs, you know, that the, the state or federal government decide to put in place, I will pursue it 100%. So just because we are, quote unquote, out of time in terms of what we need to appropriate, mm -hmm. that does not mean that we are out of time and looking for cost savings. Yeah. And that well, will not stop 
<laughs> until the project's over. Well, people should take that into account as well. I hope they will. So, so I, I mean, what I... If you have more detailed questions, I have the presentation, but I think... Well, I think no, I, those, the, it, it, the, that piece of it wasn't what... I, I understood all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that wasn't where I was really saying is I have no idea... When, when the net zero first came up, a bunch of people sent emails because I think there was interest in net zero. Sure. And when people do that with me, I'll send emails back to some people and say, okay, but how much do you think we should spend? Mm -hmm. And the answer comes back, uh, for the most part, not always, but I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually fighting a bigger issue here, which is this process that you just kind of, well, what do you want? Add it, add it, add it, add it. And then we tally it. And yeah, maybe some things are taken off, but I, at the end of the I day- I don't agree that that's yeah. the process that we took, Gus. It wasn't add, 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 add. Matter of fact, we've already been through an extensive value engineering process to cut, 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 cut. Yeah. Well, that wouldn't, so we, and, we look and at I, that And I would gladly walk you through all of that. We, we look at it differently, Mike. And, and I'm not, Maybe. this is not you. I mean, I'm not talking about just you. I'm talking about the whole process. Mm -hmm. never, we never do say, well, we're going to design a school to fit this cost. We just kind of because we it can't. comes out to what it comes. At. We can't. We can't just say, "I want to build a school for your number fifty million and say it's got to fit all our kids." The market. Well, the market's we'll, not going to say, "Okay, we'll do that for you." We will. Like, we we have to understand what the need is. We define the need, and then we figure out how much it's going to cost us. Right. And then there are still ups and downs we can choose to do more which some towns do some towns add more square footage than we have some towns add uh you know different finishes and other things that may drive up costs and we or we can say hey we want to make sure this is down as close to the bare minimum and mm -hmm. i believe we've done that well i don't have any further questions okay pete anything uh my understanding all along was that uh, the, the uh, incentives from Eversource were fairly minimal and that the Mark Sandine analysis was based on looking at the cash flows. Correct. And so that, uh, and that net zero was cash positive from year one. And that Correct. was the basis on which that I made my decision to go to net zero. Just, just a note on incentives. Um, we advise our clients, we don't budget for incentives. They're not significant. They don't affect the overall budget and they're not guaranteed. So we put a budget together when we budget our schools. We don't say, hey, you know, this money's gonna come back to you and then it doesn't and then where are we gonna be? So the incentives are a relatively small number. We're looking at just about $220,000 in incentives on an $82 million project. One of the other uh, favorite things that I've learned from uh, sitting through a lot of energy committee meetings is that uh, when things are designed to passive house standards, which is this very tight and building, um, that the people that live there like them much better mm. because the, the air turnover is much less, the temperature is, is uh, more stable, the, there's much less noise, yeah. and the people that build apartment buildings said that they had much less turnover of their tenants as a result, and so that it worked better for them as a result because the people that lived in it liked it better. I mean, among other things, we're going to get a better school for our kids to be in all day long. I agree. All right. So, Gus, you're done? I'm done. 
We're done, Mike. You're Unless good? you've got more for me. I've got nothing for you, Mike. All right. You probably have like four more meetings tonight, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll let you get to the rest of them. So, all right. Thank I'll, you, Mike. I'll appreciate stick it. I'll around in case, because I know there was some other discussion. Sure. Um, all right. So now we have on to other energy committee issues. So, so first off, he just he just ran interference for you on <laughs> the biggest one, which was net zero. That one's been answered. Um, so the only other issue I had was simply with recognize, and this was an informational question, and you've already kind of, two of you knew it was coming anyway now. Um, you added three people to the energy committee, uh, and my only, given uh, Fred, if you recall, a year ago when you added a couple of members to the energy committee, I questioned it certainly, and it, because of the size, of the, because of the size of the committee, and you you brought up the fact that your committee's actually op, uh, has several initiatives, and it made sense to structure the committee in a way that subcommittees, if you will, could go off in multiple directions. So the only question I had when you added three more was, how does that change, do, or does it change what those directions are, what you're doing? I'm just, I was just looking for an update on how you've organized the committee. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that question, Gus. Uh, members of the Energy Committee are here tonight, and I don't know if it's possible to, what's the, promote them, promote, promote them. them. Uh, particularly, uh, and by the way, Megan and Hilly are right here in person. Jim Redden, Jim Nail, Penny, I think are online, and uh, maybe Bob Winograd, and maybe Cynthia. And uh, I'm promoting them for a particular reason to address this question. I welcome the opportunity to re uh, address the question of what's going on with the size and scope of the Energy Committee. Uh, we're not here to have an Energy Committee meeting and go through all, all the detail of all the items. But I do want you to appreciate just how much work is going on. And yes, you're right, Gus. It's, it, it, we have organized in the past year and a half or two. Uh, we call them work groups. Um, I, I like that term, by the way, and, but they operate essentially as subcommittees. Uh, but I like the idea of work groups because they do a lot of work. They get a lot of work done. And then they bring to the general committee meeting uh, the results. And uh, so if we could, and also could you bring up my slide number 12? Is that possible, Nick, please? Uh, with the work groups? I'm sorry? The one with the work groups? Yeah, that's, that might be 13. That would be fine, too. Right. Okay, so there. And actually, if you go back one, yeah, okay. Why don't you go ahead to the next one and the next one, then we'll come back to this. So that's the full list of the roster as we understand it at this moment. Uh, that's as of the, your most recent meeting where you uh, approved, or meetings where you approved uh, Cynthia and David at the top uh, or that are at the top now and there was some confusion as to number of years of term so we were surprised when this got published and your in, in your I was surprised and I'm sorry that I don't track it that closely I thought David Stevenson we were, we were not asking him to return but looks like he was on until 2023 um, so he's probably going to uh, come back with a letter of resignation so it's 14 or 15 at this moment um, so if, now if you can go back to the one before so that right so this is the one I want to focus on and what I've asked each of the work group coordinators to do is to come up with a one-minute statement if they could uh, one after the other and just to give you an idea of the scope of work that we're tackling uh, every month uh, a couple of them are in parentheses those are sort of in hiatus those 
work groups because other things, uh, because they're not needed right this minute. But um, how can the elementary school work group coordinator be in parentheses? Because, because just as, as Mike was explaining to you, uh, he's, he, the school com building committee has taken full charge with their sustainability committee. Uh, we did go back and approve. We, we appreciated their work and, and fully support it. Uh, but we, as the Energy Committee, was, weren't promoting that. They had, I don't know, how many meetings did your Sustainability Committee have? And Tom is here, too, from that. A lot, a lot. <laughs> and no meeting was shorter than 45 minutes, as I remember. Hours and hours, many, many. So there is somebody from the Energy Committee on the Sustainability So, committee? Megan, do you want to go first? <laughs> Just trying to get the parentheses to go away, Megan. <laughs> Sure, so that um, work group has um, had me and Alec Stevens from the Energy Committee, and Alec is much more technical than me. And okay. so, um, yep. And then on, on the Sustainability Subcommittee was Tom Erb, Walt Kincaid, um, myself, Amy Colloran, Alec Stevens, and then a parent, Jason Uzzle, who, who joined us. Okay. So um, that was that. Got it. Okay. Any other questions about that? Thank you. Megan, that was short and sweet. That's great. And uh, if Penny's available, I might as well go in this order. Good evening, everyone. It's uh, my pleasure to spend a few minutes with you at Board of Selectmen. I did want to reassure all of you, uh, and particularly Selectman and Murphy, that you can be assured that whatever incentive you get from Eversource will be the maximum incentives. I'm the EVP at Eversource on customer experience and energy strategy. And, uh, I've been on the energy committee for a decade, and I'm very proud to serve on it, and I'm very proud to make sure that Eversource is providing great support to uh, Medicare. So, Christine, let the record so state. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> Three updates from the air source uh, or from the Mitchell Solar Committee. Um, we've been working very closely with Kingsbury Club to finish that workout. We've got some articles through, as you know. Uh, going forward, the DPW, we have uh, working with Solar Design Associates who created an RFP that will allow us to go out for PPA or hybrid. And we are we have a big project to identify the solar potential for all the town buildings, and that is my update. Okay. Thanks, Penny. You can stand here. Um, so thank you for having me again. I was just here about two months ago and uh, reported on our progress at the uh, Town of Medfield Climate Action Plan. Uh, you know we're about just halfway into it, uh, starting a, a town meeting in May. And um, we have, I'm, I'm leading a work group of about 10 people. Some of them are from the Medfield Energy Committee. Uh, Pete is there and then some community members um, that uh, are interested in this work. We also do a lot of work with the town administration, trying to draw in the different departments uh, and uh, give them an, an opportunity to contribute and be involved. And also with community groups and residents. We are following the MAPC playbook in developing uh, the plan, and um, as part of that, uh, we are we have developed a, a greenhouse gas emissions inventory for Medfield. 
which shows that the majority of the emissions that originate in Medfield actually come from private residences and cars. So that is going to be uh, our main focus uh, in, in sort of a priority listing of our activities. Um, a lot of our time is really engaged with engaging people with it, with, with the uh, action planning. We have um, had an, a webinar. We have had presence with two, two booths at Medfield Day and uh, had a lot of interaction with the public. And we currently have out a questionnaire for people to, f to um, fill out. And I invite them to look at that at the Medfield uh, Energy Committee Document Center and uh, submit uh, a questionnaire result to us. And uh, we're planning uh, another webinar later in the year and then publish uh, a draft for public comments before, you know, our deadline, which is in March. Thanks, Hilly. Thanks, Hilly. Jim, are you there? Jim Nail? Hilly, by the way, the court changed my uh, hearing date tomorrow to conflict with your meeting, so I can't attend tomorrow. So you already missed it. Oh. <laughs> the court hearing wasn't today, was it? <laughs> okay. Yes, Fred. Fred, I'm here. Great, Jim. You got a, a one-minute statement, maybe, on the Medfield State Hospital Work Group, the Energy Committee's Work Group on the State Hospital. Sure do. We have been following all of the developments of the uh, committee, uh, reviewing the RFP. We submitted a six-page evaluation of the Pulte proposals um, at that process, and we appreciate the development creation of uh, energy perspectives of, of that development. Going forward, that PDA is uh, signed and going to the due diligence period. We'll be working with, uh, and with Trinity and their various uh, architect and sustainability consultants um, to hear where their thinking is going and provide any uh, perspective we can and obviously continue to encourage them to pursue the highest energy performance they can within that context of historical presentation and uh, gaining access to the tax when it's needed to make the project viable. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Is Paul on the call? I don't even know. I didn't see him, no. Okay, we'll go to Jim Redden if he's there. Okay, okay hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. First, First I want to say thank, thank you to the, the board. board. Um, for adding to the committee. It's, it's uh, my second time in the early days of the early committee, helped with a lot of the school board efforts in the early days. I've been invited back to try to move the vehicles, so the work group on transportation vehicles has responsibilities that are put We are supposed to help the town to control vehicles in this form. Uh, to the Green Community Act and for periods of work, we're supposed to help the town purchase uh, energy efficient vehicles. We've been reaching out to different departments, uh, starting to present different ideas. Um, we're trying to be more active than we have been in the past, and the, uh, the vehicle options are becoming much better for hybrids and electric vehicles, and we believe there's going to be a lot of interest in how we can move the town towards them. Uh, the second part of our, our 
responsibilities is to reach out to the citizens and the residents uh, on their own vehicles. They make up about 41% of the emissions in the town, uh, the cars they drive around. So we're doing outreach programs. As Tilly said, also we just finished the field day. We're also contacting towns and finding out what we're doing to help more of their citizens uh, purchase vehicles. So that's another part of our work. Um, on the next piece is we're, we're working on a town infrastructure. Uh, as uh, decarbonizing the town happens, we're going to need to put in charging stations on town. Uh, so we're working with the town. The town is, is probably not as hard. We're working with the other source on uh, for a charging station next to town hall. There's been some private ones put in around town. So our committee is helping working through uh, different locations in town where charging will be available, supporting all the infrastructure movements that will be coming along. I also think it could be very good if the, uh, some of the uh, legislation in Congress passes that there could be a lot of money available for this infrastructure upgrade, so we're going to be following that very closely. The fourth and final piece, real quick, is that we expect to get into carpools, military, and community transportation as part of our regular transportation work. We've really just started doing that now, but we're in the planning stage of how we might uh, add those kinds of services for around town. So that's something we're looking to do under the transportation vehicles. Thanks, Jim. I don't see Bob or Trisha. Bob and Trisha aren't here. Okay. A, a quick question for Jim. Just uh, thinking in to the the plan that Sarah came forward with the uh, you know the the, re the the recovery COVID recovery plan. One of the issues in there had to do with looking at public transportation here, and and I was glad to hear we weren't talking about bringing bus service in. But the, I'm just curious whether. Uh, whether Jim, are are you looking at any of those kinds of issues around? At some point, I can picture Medfield yeah. putting in some form of convenient, public circulating transportation. Are you looking at that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah that, that would be something, something we would look, look at, at also. And, and in, in particular, it might be with Medfield State Hospital. Some of the proposals that are there from this different types of development might be like a starting, starting point, point, and then maybe have a town loop or something like that. Right. Right. And then assuming we did something like that, I assume we'll try to make electric. I've done some studies on electric buses for campuses and stuff. It can be a very cost effective way to go. Long term, I haven't really started that much work on it yet, but I think one of the most important things on electric vehicles is electric school buses. So if there's a way to start thinking about that and getting some funding for something along those lines, I feel like that's where the solution is in my mind. Everybody just sat up behind a bus and go, how can the school bus be the most polluting stuff? Great. Good. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, and thanks for that input, Gus. Uh, so just to to round out the list here, so the budget uh, that's a new uh, uh, activity for us, trying to work up um, what might be good to put to propose mm -hmm. for long term for uh, capital budgets, um, and Nick is. Uh, uh, Trying to, trying to, is guiding us, that, and we're grateful for that because it's a brand new uh, vent, venture, van new, brand new direction for us. So we're trying to do the right thing here to uh, advise the town uh, how decarbonization maybe could, should be implemented over time. The really good news there is that we've already got two projects in queue. Uh, one right now within budget and one that is pending the next green communities uh, application if we should get it so two uh, heat pump projects already uh, both are heat pump water heaters 
Uh, but that's very exciting. And I'll jump from there to the mention about the sustainability coordinator, Susan McPhee, who you're whose agreement you're finally voting on tonight, which is great. And uh, she's already been tremendously, tremendously helpful. Um, and uh, Nick is, again, Nick is, <laughs> is guiding us in many directions. And one of them is, uh, she, you know, we're, we're uh, working with her on a limited budget. So we don't want to exhaust her budget in the first month. Uh, so he's keeping us uh, on track, is, is making sure we don't overwhelm uh, her, her uh, usefulness. She's exceedingly useful. Okay. Um, and so that's budget uh, warrant articles. Okay, so Bob Winograd there is up there for warrant articles. We don't have any that we're working on right now, but probably as of our next meeting this uh, next week, we will probably start to look at at least two more, uh, but the, the many, stages to go through before there's anything to talk about. Uh, and in parentheses, a CCA coordination, uh, coordinator, that also you're, you're voting on tonight. We're very uh, appreciative of that. Uh, that, did, that came from a lot of work from uh, the Energy Committee that then led to a separate committee that wasn't the Energy Committee uh, that Nick and Megan and Bob were on, and that's the, that resulted in what you're going to be voting on tonight. And Tricia uh, does a great job keeping us coordinated with the other outside groups, uh, or at least informed as to, so every town, every town is going through what we're talking about more and less. You know, some are further ahead, some are further behind, and there's various F efforts, uh, MAPC, MCAN, and Mass Energize, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Mass Energize. Anyway, various efforts that work with many towns and it's really helpful to coordinate or to hear about what other towns are doing. Um, oh, last but not least. So right now we don't have somebody else fo uh, leading, coordinating this. La this. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been first and foremost. This is our work over the, over the first uh, 10 years. That's all we did uh, pretty much was uh, coordinate about municipal energy consumption. So that's not the subject per se of tonight, but I'd be glad to come back and report on that. Uh, I, uh, w we work closely with, uh, well now with Susan, but with Amy, uh, and now with Nick, because uh, now uh, as the decarbonization comes in, we're talking about vehicles and, uh, and buildings. So it, it, it's coming together nicely. I, Speaking of coming together nicely, I really appreciate all the Energy Committee members who came, uh, to, who attending, are attending tonight online, and those that uh, spoke to you tonight. I really appreciate that. Any other, any, that's the report, mm -hmm. I think. Are there any more slides going forward from there? Not backward? <coughs> oh, yeah, no. So I'm, I'm hoping you don't really need to talk about the charge, the ch which, you know, otherwise known as the charter. I really hope we don't need to talk about that tonight, and I would recommend uh, if you really want to talk about it, if, if Cynthia's on the line, could you check to see if he, she, she said she was doubtful, but anyway, she's one of the authors of the original 2008 charter, uh, charge. So if you really want to talk about that, let us know what the questions are. We can come back and report at some other time. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Great. I'm not sure about. That's great. You. Thank the, you. Uh, you know, the, I had two thoughts. Fred. Maybe one, go back to the coordinators. Slide, yeah. Go where you go. I don't need the slides. Yeah. Two thoughts, Fred. You know, two two years ago, I guess, I, I, when we did the uh, Green Communities Annual Report that I wouldn't sign until I'd read the report, and you've heard this from me before, is that uh, I basically said I wouldn't sign the cover sheet until I'd read the report, which was really a smart thing for me to have done 
because I had no real appreciation of the impact the Energy Committee had been having. Uh, and I'm guessing most people in town actually don't. I'm going to predict that as the, as the town moves closer in this direction of, of climate, you know, climate goals, there's going to be a greater and greater crunch where your committee is going to be looking to do things in town that by themselves are only cost adding things. And you know me enough to know where my predisposition will be on cost adding things. But I actually think there's a story that you have around the, you know, what I'm looking for is, is cost effectiveness. And I actually think there's a story that you have on the impact that you're having on the town. Uh, perhaps some of the things that I think, Nick, you're, you're trying to get your arms around the electricity consumption. I think, I think you are anyway, around, we don't have any, you know, we, we, we basically say, oh, like, let's take net zero. You know, oh, we're gonna, this is all gonna be great. We're gonna, it's gonna be life cycle. And it's not that I don't believe in life cycle, it's that I don't find that we have any mechanisms for holding any accountability around those promised benefits. Uh, and so, I'm sorry. To, I think Mike left. And, well, it's, uh, this Said doesn't, ha stick this around, doesn't have to do. Oh, no, no, no. You, you. He let you off the hook on the school project. I'm talking the big picture stuff that you guys are tackling. What, what I'm getting at is that there, there is, there, there are things that you, the committee has done, and that I think you're continuing to do, that actually do have a bottom line impact on the town. And I think the more you can <coughs> articulate, quantify. <coughs> and represent that to where it's not this issue of let's just do this thing that's costing money because we know it's good, but actually you, you're, you do a better job of linking into what some of the big impacts have been on the town. I think that will help you. I know it'll help you with me. Uh, with you, with you, okay. Well, but, but I, well, but I, I appreciate I'm the, you, you I'm bringing the guy that's the bluntest speaker, that's all. It's just, you know, <laughs> if we're gonna do this stuff, it has to make economic sense. But I think there's a lot of stuff you've done that does make economic sense if we can get our arms around it. Well, Gus, I appreciate you asking the question, and, and I appreciate that you're, you're saying you're the one saying it and other people are thinking it. That, I think that's No, true. I appreciate yeah. that. That's yeah. great. Um, so I will just say in the briefest possible way, I have been a member since the very beginning. Cynthia has also, and Jim Redden, whose, whose name is right in front of us. <laughs> Jim Redden was there at the beginning and then he had a hiatus and he's come back, which is terrific. I'm pretty sure that we have never proposed to the town of Medfield or the Board of Selectmen, any other body, that we expend money where we weren't making more money. We have always, in every, 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 every time we've come with any request, it is, perhaps your word was cost effective. Other people might call it profitable. So the notion of cost adding is a notion. It's not a wrong notion that it can be done. And it's not a wrong notion that it might yet someday be done. But there are insinuations that are dangerous to imply that we, the Energy Committee of Medfield, ever, ever, to date, in 12 years, have ever done that. We never have. We have always, always, always come to you with nothing but cost effectiveness. So, so nothing but. And so, so, right. 
So I, 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 I applaud you for it. I encourage you to keep doing it. And the one point I'll say is, and until two years ago, when I read that annual report, I didn't appreciate that point. And so my, 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 this was by no means a, sh a veiled criticism. I'm saying, you know, I found out two years ago. <laughs> and it's like I look at some of the discussions and it's like, you know, there's a stronger argument. There's a stronger, not argument, the stronger case. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that until two years ago and I took the time to read the annual report. So my, my point was intended as a helpful comment. Uh, and and I hope, as a hope other people hear it that yeah. way. That's all I'm saying about the insinuation part. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The insinuation can be taken the other way. So if you want to be clear, that would really, really help. Was I? I think I just was. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Any, Mr. Chairman. Anything else? Uh, Hilly does have one final uh, remark. Okay. And, and uh, there's huge headlines every day these days. And I don't know if that's what you were going to say, but you brought that up at another meeting today. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, first of all, I want to say I, uh, I appreciate you talking about data, and we struggle with this every day. We, um, we're actually working with the town, and we, we would like better data to document our progress and the town's progress. So this is not a town issue. This is sometimes a state issue of how data is recorded, but that is definitely an important issue we want to go forward. Um, so... In terms of being cost effective, I think uh, if you look at the bigger picture, not, not only Medfield but outside of Medfield, it's a consensus that people say if we don't take any action to plan for our future that includes climate action, it's going to be very expensive. Very expensive economically, socially, uh, personally, um, environmentally whatever so you have a group of volunteers here in the energy committee that have a vision that we can have a better future if we plan for it and we're working very hard to do that um, I'm as coordinating the uh, climate action plan sort of t take a bigger view a long-term view to you know a lot of people in the energy committee are very data-driven look at details you know how many valves and whatever you need to change um, and uh, right now we're in the middle of COP26 at Gla in Glasgow and there's world leaders coming together telling us that we're fighting for our survival right now. There's a lot of fear out there from a lot of people how a dark future could look like if we don't take action. And um, I think what the energy community is trying to do locally is to, to provide means to take meaningful action in town. Now, I know that the Energy Committee sometimes comes off at, as a little pushy because we don't have a champion, um, designated champion in the administration to sort of promote our issues. And we're also asking, not we, but you know, the whole climate action planning really requires that we take new approaches to how we think about problems, how we, how we you know, we can't go about business as usual anymore. We really have to take innovative approaches and think outside the box. And that is very difficult. I know that the administration is already busy just doing what they need to do. And creating that friction um, sort of is sometimes uncomfortable, but we do need to, to think about that. And if we had a, a sustainability coordinator with more hours, I think that would de definitely help. 
But um, I'm also saying we are all leaders and we have to ask ourselves what kind of leaders do we want to be? What is the future we envision? Is it, you know, a future that is dark and uh, that a lot of people fear and especially the children and the young people that have to live it? Or do we want to dedicate ourselves to planning for a future that would be more livable? And that's sort of my statement, you know, we are really the leaders that provide that. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Emily. Appreciate it. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Tom, Millie, Fred. All right. Thank you all. All right. Next item uh, to review and vote to approve the Town of Medfield financial policy or the amended Town of Medfield financial policy. Did you have a chance to review? I'm all set. You're all set. Just anything further? The only question was what changed, if anything? Oh, <laughs> Let me get another. Like we looked at the, we had the policy like two weeks ago or, and I went through it yet again. No changes. No this changes. Is, I don't think it changed. Uh, he just wanted a chance to, to take a look at it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's the same thing we saw the last. Good. I'm, I'm glad I didn't read it, thinking there was another set of unmarked changes. It's like that's right. good. So Excellent. we ha have a motion. I move that we approve the town of Medfield financial policy. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Christina, Nick, do you know the timing for the Warren Committee voting on it? I don't. Have they uh, voted on it? They have not voted on it yet. Okay. Um, it depends on what their meeting schedule is like. Okay. Um, they're all in favor of it, but they're not going to call a meeting just to vote on it. Understood. Yes. <laughs> so you might have to wait until January. You may have to That's wait until January, fine. but they That's are all on board and they have submitted their comments and they've been incorporated. Right. This so well. this is the operative financial policy for? For this budget season that we there are uh, need to start immediately. All right, next agenda item to uh, discuss and vote on a recommendation for the Warren article for the new elementary school project at the November 7th, 2020, November 7th, 2021 special town meeting. So I think we have discussed this sufficiently. Does anyone want to discuss this further? Gus, do you want to discuss it further? Yeah, like I said, we're, we're on the roller coaster. We're going up the steep part before okay. the first drop off. Okay. And I assume you don't have a motion? I do not have a motion. Pete, would you make a motion? That we move that we recommend that we recommend yes, in favor I, uh, of the article. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. There you go. All right. So we will recommend in favor of the warrant article. And given that I'm on the school building committee and otherwise in the interest of time, I told Scott that we didn't need a separate speaking spot um, at town meeting. So unless you want a separate spot to speak. Oh, no. Okay. That's fine. No. Just in the interest of interest. And we'll have a, um, our printed warrant report there, and it will reflect the, the two-to-one vote in that. All right. And if I could make, once again, one public service announcement. My absence at the Sunday town meeting is not a political statement on my part. I had a trip that was planned since the beginning of the year, the Army Air Force game. I'll be flying back from Dallas on Sunday, so there is no political point to my absence. Go, go Army. <laughs> Good luck. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, next up, uh, vote to release the request for proposals for the Housing Options Incentive Program. Um, no one offered a name to, naming suggestion, so I just said, Christine, let's turn to the Housing Options Incentive Program, which sounded better than the IRP. Um, Sarah didn't mention that she was going to go back to the Affordable Housing Trust again on Thursday, so I don't know if you'll be seeing it again to them, but I don't know if you want to. Just for a different name. There, there may be a change, I don't, to the name, but maybe. Well, I, I think we want to release it, right? Yeah. We'd like well, to I think you could release it pending the name change. We're just looking for a better an acronym. <laughs> pending a better name change. Pending a better name change, everything in the RFP will stay the same. Okay. So I had Pete has questions. Do you have comments, Pete, on this? No, no, I think it's a good idea. 
Yes. I would only point out that it still talks about the pilot round in the first paragraph. So if that was intentional, that's fine. But that was, uh, I think we had said before, that was a relic from what the source was. Take so it out. I don't, I don't care. Take it out if you, I don't know why it's there. Take it out. But if you want to keep it, it's okay. And then the only other question I had, there's, in this whole thing, there's no actual, uh, because of the development committee, I'm tuned into having RFPs where we have outlets where we don't actually have to award a contract. There's no obligation to award anything here, right? No. So right? that's the only question I had. No. We can say no. Yeah. I'm going to predict this, this may result in zero proposals, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. So I'm working on your, uh, on your acronym for you, Housing Options Motivation Energy Home. <laughs> you just have to make motivation. it uh, make more sense. <laughs> Housing Options Motivation Energy. I don't know, Pete. Might want to stick to law. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> May not be copyrighting. You're, you're not that I did any better. I mean, you're killing my new marketing business. <laughs> well, you have until Thursday to, to adjust it if the Affordable Housing Trust can change the name. So, do we have a motion to approve, subject to a potential better name? So, I move that we uh, vote to approve. Uh, oops, wrong one. <laughs> I, I move that we vote to release the request for proposals for the housing options incentive program, subject to a modification to the name housing options incentive program i second that all in favor yeah all right next item to vote to approve a services agreement with good energy lp for energy broker services for community choice aggregation any questions comments on this one pete no no great that we're getting it done yes you guys are here i can't let you off without questions uh, how did how did you wind up selecting good energy what was the process or what was the basis didn't we do this last time? We did this last time. Did we do that last we time? We did this yeah, last time. Yeah, it was Nick, um, Bob, Nick, Bob, and Negan. See, if you sent me the same thing a second time, I have the same well, questions. It's good to know I think the same This way. is just the contract. <laughs> so last time we yeah. awarded yeah. award, I think you the accepted the recommendation accepted and subject the to the contract. Ah, uh, okay. So this is, so, so then my next question is, there were two copies of the, I assume both copies of the contract that were in our meeting packet were the exact same document? <laughs> I did. I guess, yes, I guess the answer to that is yes. And uh, there was one minor thing I wanted to confirm, probably with you, Megan. The expectation is still valid that we expect that the people who are default, the, the basic service people that are defaulted into a community aggregation contract that get to default to be part of it, they will be better off than they were with the, with the basic service rate. I understand we're not there yet, but that still is the intention, is that that option that they would default to is one that leaves them better off than if they were basic service. I'll say that's what we're going to be developing in the next phase, what those options are, and that our intent certainly would not be to make our program more expensive than what they could get. Okay, okay. And the only reason I'm, after our last conversation about this other net zero stuff, I just want to be clear. The the issue I had originally around default, and if anybody's studied any default decision-making, people tend to default to the default. So if you're going to do that, as long as I was again, I was basically saying it had to be opt-in rather than opt-out, but then when you explained, well, this is opt-out, but if they do nothing, they'll default to a better deal than the basics. It's only the basic service people that it was like, okay, they're dropping to a better spot. Uh, so I'm still looking for that when we get there. Okay. And we, we okay. really won't know how that, well, we won't know how that works until like, we get to bid day 
what your options are, yeah. and then you pop into your contracts, and then um, you don't know what Eversource's rates are going to do. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's a point in time decision that we make the best decision, the, the decision we think is best for the Eversource. Okay. Still have the same expectations, but okay. I, I, you're, I know what you're saying, and I, <clears throat> yeah, I know what you're saying, and I know that even in the samples where the aggregation is a better deal, it's not only it, because it's a longer-term commitment, it's not a better deal every single month of the year. So I, I get that. I just have a hard time picturing that we would default people to a worse deal, waiting for the good months to come. I would think that we would be looking to have them default to a better deal, and maybe somewhere down the road. You know, they, if they went to basic service, they'd be better off, but chances are they won't because they default. So, okay. All right. Ready for? I'm ready for a motion, Gus. Okay. I uh, move that we approve a services agreement with Good Energy LP for energy broker services for the community choice aggregation. Second. All in favor? Yes. Aye. Opposed? All right. Next, vote to approve a contract with Spark Energy Conservation for Sustainability Coordinators. Two good names right there, Good Energy and Spark Energy Conservation. Those are good names. We should ask them about the name of our housing program. Yeah. Who can be against good energy? I mean, you're against, I mean, really. Yep. Any questions on this, Pete? Spark no, Spark? no. Yes, I do. Spark questions. <laughs> you're going to like right. this question. Uh, so the contract itself has a not to exceed of 20K, but the attachment A that came in from Susan McPhee was 25K. Is that, in fact, delivered? Sure. She says typically her services cost the municipality about $25,000. Yep. We have budgeted $20,000. Okay, for it for so it is deliberate. Year. I just wanted to make sure you weren't getting gypped by 5K on this one. Okay, so it's 20K because that's what the budget is able to support. Correct, and we did apply okay. um, Green Communities. It has a $10,000 application in it for additional community sustainability coordinator services. So if that is successful. Okay, okay. and then as I recall, there was options for two extensions or something like that. Yeah, okay. Got it. Ready? Yep. Okay, I move that we approve a contract with Spark Energy Conservation for Sustainability Coordinator Services. Second. All in favor? Yes. Aye. Opposed? All right, next. Uh, vote to approve a contract with Environmental Partners for PFAS, Treatment Feasibility Study and Conceptual Design. Ed Wells, one, two, and six, and vote to approve the use of American Rescue Plan Act funds for the study eligible as a water infrastructure project. You had asked Mo he, when he was in a few meetings ago, uh, could be three or four at this point, um, to have environmental partners start to put together a feasibility study for us uh, with the use of ARPA money. So we are moving forward on that uh, and the cost is 61000 Okay. Any questions, Pete? No. Gus. I have one question. Why is Wealth 6 one of the wells? We talked about it that night. We were including all of them. Just even though the numbers have come back so low, just to be ready in case that situation were to change. Okay. So then my more basic question is why are we doing it? Thank you. Why, uh, why are we doing it? It's, it's precautionary just to see what we'd be and dealing with. Wells 1 and 2, our numbers ha are closer Marginal, to the maximum right. contaminant level. So right. it's, that is more. Right. We know what we need to do at Wells 3 and 4 for Wells 1 and 2. Uh, would need to explore what we could do if we needed to. Just FYI, EPA came out with a uh, guidance uh, within the last 10 days or so. I think it's available on the MMA website. If not, I can get it for you if you're interested in seeing it. it but it's their entire uh, approach, what it's going to be to this going forward. It's a very aggressive pro 
proactive response. It's not limited to public water supplies. Uh, very ambitious. Hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Motion. I move that we approve a contract with environmental partners for PFAS uh, treatment feasibility study and conceptual design at wells one, two, and six, and vote to approve the use of American Rescue Plan Act funds for the study. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye opposed. All right, next, vote to approve the renewal of MedEx rates for calendar year 2022 and authorize Town Administrator Christine Truweiler to sign the rate acceptance. Numbers didn't look too bad. No, uh, went up $2.25 a month. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Any questions on this piece? No. Gus? None. Motion. Move that we vote to, uh, that we approve the renewal of the MedEx rates for calendar year 2022 and authorize Town Administrator Christine Fearweiler to sign the rate acceptance. Second. All in favor? Yes. Aye. Opposed? All right. Vote to accept a community planning grant in the amount of $75,000 from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and authorize Town Administrator Christine Truweiler to sign the standard state contract documents. The community planning grant is for a zoning diagnostic, revision of the open space residential zoning bylaw, and evaluation and preparation of mixed-use zoning regulations for the Route 109 corridor. Questions, comments, Pete? That was a very eloquent reading. Could you do that again in Pig Latin? No. <laughs> No more questions, sir. That would make my <laughs> one favorite comment about contractual documents like this. The authorized signatory listing that was in the agenda packet was not filled out. So it's going to be you. It's going to okay. be me. We were reluctant to fill anything out because uh, this is the most intense contract signing uh, and we needs a lot of notary signatures. So we've held off right. doing anything until we no, have Marion in the room. It did. Okay. But it's, it's, it it's will you. be me. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Motion. Ready? I vote, I move that we uh, accept the community planning grant in the amount of $75,000 from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and authorize Town Administrator Christine Trierweiler to sign the standard state contract documents. Second. All in favor? Aye. Yes. Opposed? Next, vote to accept a state fiscal year 2022 budget earmark in the amount of $36,000 to purchase voting machines and authorize Town Administrator Christine Trierweiler to sign the standard state contract documents. Just a thank you to our local delegation for including that uh, in the budget for us. Much needed. So. Very much needed. Are we getting uh, changed in our Senate district? At the moment, it looks like we are. Yeah. Are we going with Becca Rausch? Questions and comments on the budget earmark piece? No. Gus. My only comment is this stupid standard state form is the absolute it's most the hateful, <laughs> miserable, lousy form that I think I've ever seen in my life. We hate it. <laughs> you, you, should, you should see um, this is nowhere near the worst the Commonwealth of Massachusetts can do. So. Motion? <laughs> I move that we accept the state fiscal year 2022 budget earmark in the amount of $36,000 to purchase voting machines and authorize Town Administrator Christine Trierweiler to sign the standard state contract documents. Second. All in favor? Yep. Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, next. Vote to approve and sign the Chapter 90 final report in the amount of $318,522.81 for milling and rubber chip seal of various roads. Pete, questions, comments, concerns? No. Nope. Gus? Uh, only comment is those various roads are really close to where I live. They did a nice job. All right, motion. 
I move to uh, that we approve and sign the Chapter 90 final report in the amount of $318,522.81 for milling and rubber chip seal of various roads. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Then. All right. Okay. Consent agenda. Authorize the use of the gazebo for the holiday stroll on December 3rd, 2021. Sure to be controversial. <laughs> Motion, Gus. I move that we approve the one item on the consent agenda. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, no meeting minutes. Do we have the any first person on the consent agenda has come to one of these meetings just to make sure it makes it through? It's kind of. She doesn't yeah. trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Jean saw all these contracts and all these numbers, and she wondered there might be some money she has an idea to spend it on. It might just be a chance to come in and get some money for something. Uh, Christine, town administrator updates. Uh, just we are prepping for the special town meeting on Sunday and we hope to see everybody there and we would ask everybody uh, for their patience as we go through our day all right no meeting minutes uh, next meeting is are we gonna post a meeting for us for before the special town meeting or no just have the special time I, I don't think we have anything to do I don't think you have anything to do that evening okay. it's just the two of you so I, I have not yet all right uh, selectman reports Pete the uh, Medfield Foundation Legacy Funds Grant Committee uh, held a pitch it uh, event when people uh, uh, came and asked for the uh, grant money on Sunday night. It was really very exciting to hear from all of the uh, different groups in town that were looking for money. I just wish we had three times as much money. Um, Don't we all? We, we all got... Uh, uh, the email from the woman that got bitten by a dog up at Midfield State Hospital, and I think the dogs are an issue there that we need to look into. That's it. And uh, the email on the dog issue was the only thing that I had. I, I agree. Uh, the, the, I talked, I called, because I happened to see the email come in on Saturday morning, about 20 minutes after it came in, I actually made a call and talked directly to the person. Uh, it, it's a tough it's a tough thing to figure out how to put in proper restrictions that are policeable uh, and that do whatever we can to properly balance people who have dogs that they want to exercise and people who just want to get up there and exercise. So I, I do think it's worth some careful thought and uh, I think we'll put it on, I think we'll have it on an agenda item at some point in the near future. That's it. Uh, nothing additional for me. I hope to see everybody at the special town meeting on Sunday. I, just, I did want to note uh, thanks to Christine and Marion and everybody else who are working extraordinarily hard to prepare what is an extraordinarily complicated <laughs> special town meeting for Sunday. And so thanks to everyone and to the moderator who's putting out information about how this is going to work. Um, this is going to be a new experience for everyone. And I think mm -hmm. to Christine's point, if, if we can all be as patient uh, as possible with parking and each other and all the rest of it, um, we'll all get through the day. Um, and it would be, everyone should pay close attention to the instructions on how things are going to happen. So with that, I will entertain a motion to adjourn. I move that we adjourn. Second. second. Oh, second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed. All right. Uh, my Zoom kicked out, but I'm assuming there are no questions or comments in the Q&A to deal with. Okay. No, nothing. Right.